Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. Today we have special guest, Kate Stormer. Kate, welcome to the show. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Why don't we start off the podcast with a description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Uh, Kate Stormer, I uh, live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I am what I consider maybe a, a, a bit of an accidental uh, real estate investor and sort of later life entrepreneur. I actually began in the my adult life in the U.S. Navy, which got me into uh, healthcare administration. I was a medic for the Navy, and I just continued with that um, once I got out. And then I have always been interested in real estate, but I was on the career ladder for my career. I would go to, uh, I would go to, uh, open houses and just, you know, and I would joke with my husband, like I should be a real estate agent, but of course, you know, I'm, I'm a career professional, you know, run, you know, with my MBA, you know, running, um, healthcare enterprises. And, uh, so that just seems like a silly kind of thing. And then one day I went to a private auction of a property in my person, my primary neighborhood, and the property went for, you know, a third under what it would have went for at market. And I was like, how could I have done that? And I literally went home and this was about five years ago now and, and Googled, how do you invest in real estate? And I haven't quit. And that has just led me down this road of what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? You know, financial freedom. You know, I had come from a very sort of middle class um, in 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 Michigan, where I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. You were a, a, a automobile family, right? Like, what what automobile family were brand were you aligned with? We were a Ford family. That was the entire reason we lived in Michigan because my grandparents had moved for jobs, right? So the idea that you would step away from or or do this other thing of building a life that didn't require you to trade your time for money um, was was really interesting. And so I spent, gosh, six or eight months just leaning in to learn about what it meant to be an entrepreneur, what it meant to get into real estate investing. I started attending local meetups. And then um, I actually started mentoring with somebody who did small multifamily. And um, one day I was with them and, and he's so funny. If he, he, he hears me tell a story, I'm like, Dave, you work like a dog all day on these properties. Like this doesn't look like fun. And he was like, and to be, I mean, he's making a great living. He hadn't worked a nine to five job in 20 years. Like, you know, life is good for him, but, um, he's like, yeah. And then I was like, I wonder what, you know, I don't need another job. And then, um, I, I think I heard an episode or a podcast about short-term rentals and I was sold because I had just taken a job that was remote. My husband worked remote. I'm like, we could go anywhere in the summers when my kids were not in school. And that just started this journey into short-term rentals. And I just fell in love with the asset class. I love the idea. And and now in, in the execution of it, we have properties that, that I can go work at in terms of, hey, this is me working on my property that I'm staring out at a big lake. <laughs> and, um, and, a, and, I had bought into a mentoring training program for short-term rentals. And shortly after that, he was looking for some help. And one of my goals for that year was to get more connected with other people in short-term rentals. So I said, hey, I'll step up if you just need somebody to. So basically, it was a coaching program. And I was a success coach helping people through that training program. And um, I just fell in love with what I was doing and being around people and the flexibility that that 
more entrepreneurial lifestyle offered from my family and I. And about a year ago, I um, hopped right off the career ladder. And so I have um, a small portfolio myself. I, um, through those coaching relationships, I actually started helping others manage their own properties. And I have built a coaching and consulting business. So I do, in addition to growing my own portfolio and and working, you know, I've partnered with um, other folks, you know, using private money and building my portfolio that way. And then I also do, I'm an analyst, so I help a lot of people do answer that question, long-term, short-term, mid-term, what do I do with this property? Um, I do investment analyses. I do optimization reviews and I coach people who are, who are new to the business. Um, so I have just thrown myself over the last five years into learning how to be an entrepreneur and really leveraging what has always been, you know, an interest and passion of mine in real estate to, to that benefit. Interesting. Now, why short term versus having like, for example, the multifamily, right? Like, okay, let's, let's be clear from the perspective I'm coming in. I don't, I don't like single family homes. I mean, I like to live in a single family home. I just don't like it as an investment property and nor do I care for condos as investment properties as a general rule. So I particularly like the multifamily space. Now, not saying I'm right and everyone else is wrong. I'm just saying that's my perspective. You chose the short-term rental, like Airbnbs and stuff. And I'm sure that's going to come with a lot of different things. Like what made you decide Airbnb versus long-term? Yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of folks that I work with, um, they come at it with different goals, right? So I initially decided I liked short-term because I had a job and I wanted something that was going to add to my life. So either I was going to be a passive investor, which to me was like, okay, that that's not fun either. That's not what I'm looking to achieve here. I'm looking for to, you know, to really build a life with intention that involves fun, more fun things that things that fill, fill my bucket. And it's never been for me just about wealth building. It's been for me about how do I create a life that that really we want to be part of. And so that was never multifamily for me. I've coached literally hundreds of people. And one of the things that I realized through that work is that the goal that people have when they come into this drives sort of the information they need to be successful. So somebody like you who would come in and say, listen, I heard short-term rentals can make four times more than I can make, you know, in a single family home. Or somebody who owns a multifamily who says, I'd like to turn a couple of my units into short-term rentals so that I'm getting more income for my asset, right? That Those are very different goals. And so that's one of, the, one of the things that I do in my role as a coach for people is I have to understand, like, what are they trying to get out of this investment? So somebody like you, you don't care about personal use. You're going to take your income that you're generating and you're going to go have the vacation wherever you want to have it. <laughs> without owning the property, right? Like it, like that has no draw for you. And there's certainly a percentage of people that that's true for. Um, I'm a little bit more on the lifestyle side and it's not as much about about the, um, the wealth generation, although certainly I'm growing wealth doing what I'm doing as well. Right, right. Yeah, no, like I'm trying to figure out like what's the difference uh, overall, right? Like, like if I own a, an apartment building of 24 units versus having a, uh, a an Airbnb, of one unit, 10 units, whichever, like, what's the difference? What's the difference in revenue stream? Like what's the uh, difference in uh, like, in a, a, just basically in the asset class, like I'm trying to figure out what's the attraction to an Airbnb. Like 
I look at the multifamily, it's not guaranteed because nothing in life is guaranteed. But when you have the long term, you have consistent income, right? It's consistent people there. They're there for a year. Airbnb, it's based on people booking, right? And what happens when people don't book? So I, uh, all of my properties have at least a 20% rate of return. I have one that's 45%. So that that's one right there, right? Um, but I make all almost 80% of that income between Memorial Day and Labor Day. <laughs> so wow. the rest of the year, I've got to keep that money in the bank. So I'm paying the mortgage, you know, each month uh, off of that income. Um, I think the second thing, and it's a unique aspect, at least in the U.S., for short-term rentals is what's called the short-term rental loophole. And I, I like to be very clear with people. You can be in the short-term rental industry and you can own short-term rentals, but if you are actually running that rental, you are not being an investor. You have a job, right? This is, this is the hospitality industry. That's a huge difference between having to find renters for a 12 month lease and the area that you're in and that, you know, is an A class, B class, C class determines sort of the rent that you're going to get in the ceiling. And it's going to determine, you know, all, all of those things. Whereas I can have two condos in the same unit and one can make as a short term rental, one can make double what its neighbor is making. Same floor plan, same occupancy, because you are in the marketplace where you can drive pricing differently based on the amenities you offer, how good of an operator you are, all those things. So short-term rentals, if, if you're an investor and you want to look at including short-term rentals in your portfolio, a really good operator is key in order because you have to understand this isn't just I, I have to make sure my cleaner shows up between check-ins, it's, I need to know how to actually show up in the search algorithms. And I need to know how to price this thing so that I optimize my occupancy and get the absolute most money I can out of that thing. So it's completely different from multifamily in that regard, that you have to have a skilled operator in order to actually get that 2x, 3x, 4x your income on a, on a long-term asset. Got that. Um, what about like, Okay, so now the other avenue you're going to take and in a sense challenge is uh, what's the difference between that and just buying a hotel? Because they're both short term, right? Right. Absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, I don't have experience in hotel. Um, I, here's what I, my approach on this is that people don't go that route because they don't know how to go that route. It's like, why don't, why do people go multifamily and not commercial real estate? right? We don't know how. We're not familiar with it. This is just human nature. I started my journey just, hey, I want to have a portfolio, you know, a property or two that's going to enhance our lifestyle and it's going to grow wealth for us and it's going to pay for itself and give us some money, right? A lot of the people that I work with, that's their initial goal as well. And then some people run with it and some people don't. I think one of the things that I do find very attractive about the idea of a hotel or a resort is you're consolidating. So right now, you know, a lot, I personally have properties in many different locations, either that I own or manage. And, and there's a lot of logistics with that, that are, that are troubling. A hotel offers you an entirely different model. Um, but you're also going to get funded at a, as a commercial entity, as a short-term rental, single family, you have a lot more funding options available to you with lower down payments, lower interest rates, those kind of things. So, so just the capital to get into something like that. Um, again, if you're working with private lenders, you potentially can, you know, can navigate that. But, um, and there's, there's this idea of, you know, are we talking 
a 40 unit hotel? Are we talking a 10 unit hotel? Are we talking, you know what I mean? So, so there's yeah. shades of that as well. Got it. Got it. Okay. So that was interesting. I was just trying to see your perspective on it and uh, where, you know, where you're coming from and your stance on it. So, all right. That's awesome. 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 And, and again, it goes back to what you said. It's not what's right for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's right for another. What's right. You know, it's a matter of what does a person want? What are their goals? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I actually, I now, I now have like a whole quiz on my website for people to, to, that they can take within, you know, what, what kind of short-term rental investor are you? And in the spectrum that that encompasses is, is I have literally had people who come to me to say, you know, and, and I don't, I don't even know that you would call this investing, right? They're just like, look, we want to have this kind of house on this particular lake that has this number of bedrooms, this kind of beach frontage, and we don't even care if it pays for itself. We just need help paying the taxes or the, or the family that inherits the property. And they just, you know, they, they need, you know, so, so that's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is, is that, you know, professional real estate investor who is like, I just want the profits. I may never step foot in that property in my entire life. Right. And, and they're just looking where, you know, where I'm going to do a 1031 exchange or, or, I, you know, I want to, I'm tired of getting 200 bucks a door. I want to get 600 bucks a door without whatever that reason is and everything in between. Got it. Yeah. That's true too. Right. There's yeah, I, I get that part. That makes sense to me. Now, yeah. in terms of your uh, crossing over from corporate lifestyle and getting into this full time, was there an aspect of it that caused you any form of hesitation or worry? Or was there any little fear or little nuggets that you uh, focused on that you had to overcome? Absolutely. I, you know, I had a mentor who once said, you know, when people change jobs, <laughs> they're usually leaving something and going towards something. Right. And, uh, and, and I, you know, had reached a point where I'd been in that career for a long time. It was a very, the position I was in at the time, which when I took the job had been my dream job. Um, it turned very out pretty quickly to realize it wasn't. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I had initially saw building our wealth as a way to get to retirement sooner. And then as I was doing the coaching and I was getting asked to do more and more coaching and more and more of the work that I was doing on the side, I saw that there was a, an income stream, but you know, there's, there's a lot that comes with that. Right. And, and a lot that I didn't appreciate at the time. And so it's been a, a challenging, um, if not fulfilling, uh, transition. And I think my biggest concern was, was obviously as a healthcare executive, I was making a really nice, you know, six figure salary. And, you know, although my properties certainly are making great money, I reinvest a lot of that into the property versus pulling that for myself. And so I knew there would be some changes there. And then my coaching and consulting business wasn't there. So I think most people are trying to answer that question first. If you're looking to leap off the career ladder like I did is, is how am I going to make this work? Um, I think in hindsight and retrospect, now that I'm a year and change out from making that transition, because I manage my own portfolio and I've taken on helping some other people manage theirs, I effectively have been doing two businesses. One is my coaching and consulting business and the other is actually doing the work as a, as a property manager for short-term rentals. And so that effectively slows my learning down in either. And as somebody who sort of sat in the executive seat in big organizations, you know, I went from being in a big organization to being like a one-person show. 
um, who's had to learn marketing, who's had to learn how do you have the right website, who's had to learn like, how do you, what's the workflow for, you know, all of these things. So, so I think, you know, it's been slower than I anticipated because of myself and because we chose to do this as much as a lifestyle choice as anything. We still have children who are middle school and elementary school. So got it. Now touch upon the uh, short-term rental thing. Uh, a lot of, a lot of businesses and ecosystems, you know, is usually revolving around what's going on in the world. There is now higher interest rates out there. So funding is more expensive as well. On top of that, there is a, uh, an economic downturn, which I imagine as a result, there's going to be less travel going on. Now, the travel part hasn't been hit, but there has been other adjustments in the consumer spending. So in my view, based on history, that it's just a matter of time before the travel gets hit. And with that being said, is there any concern in terms of uh, shift in rentals and shift in uh, the market that way? So I'm going to preface this by saying, first and foremost, in in the short-term rental umbrella, um, which I think is a term that really has come into play much more recently, you know, Airbnb came onto the market in 2008. It took off in about 2012. And as an industry, the short-term rental industry hasn't, you know, it, it sort of hit on a global scale in 2019 when it, when it became valuated at like 19 billion or something crazy. I don't know. Um, I forget the, the actual number, but, but essentially in terms of being a, a viable and, and considerable part of the overall global economic um, outlook. Vacation rentals as a subset of short-term rentals have been around for as long as there have been people almost, right? Vacation rentals aren't going anywhere. Um, The idea and what I sort of think about as a more utilitarian short-term rental, maybe they're in an urban city where, you know, people are going for more utilitarian reasons. Um, you know, medical travel uh, is, a, is an area where people will, you know, grab people who are coming to the area for reasons other than vacation. Um, so I, I think as with anything, um, we're going to experience shifts, you know, in 2020, everything closed down. And then when we were, people were able to start running, they started running short-term rentals to avoid going to hotels and avoid being around people, right? So we see this huge upsurge, huge demand not enough supply, drives prices up, and then all of a sudden the investors are getting interested. And now we have, frankly, a glut in many communities of short-term rentals. So now the demand isn't there. There's also people who went out and bought and didn't realize that your potential, your income potential actually requires you to have an operator that understands how to operate, how to price, how to market, how to navigate those platforms who will reward or punish you in the search algorithms based on your performance. And those people aren't doing really well. Um, So I think, you know, being the kind of, you know, capitalist society that we are in the U.S., at least, and that's the that's what I know, um, a lot of people are going to drop out because they're they're just not going to work. So I think there will be a a maturing of the industry. We're going to sort of write that that glut that happened. People are going to exit. And regulations, of course, in the short-term rental industry are is, is such a hot topic right now. Um, so I, I think, yeah, there's going to be a writing of that. And I think um, some people, like in any industry, are not going to make it. And that's not necessarily as true in multifamily because there's always a, a there's not enough housing, right? Um, so I would presume in multifamily, it's just not as much of a concern as, as you would have. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing, right? I think everything is cyclical 
cyclical and being honest and even real estate is cyclical. And here's what I mean by that, right? Like everyone expects that you know, I'm going to buy my home for a hundred thousand dollars and uh, 10 years is going to be over $200,000. And then in every year it's going to screw up by 10 K and it's never going to go down. And the reality is <laughs> history shows that there's a fluctuation. Things go up. I mean, we've already seen part of the fluctuation. I use where I live homes, semi, single family homes, had gone up to about $1.4 million. And after all the interest rates and everything happened, it actually came down to about a million and 50. And we're settling at roughly around the 1,140,000 right now. And so the point is, there's a fluctuation in that and nobody really expects that or talks about that. And so like everything, there's a cyclical everywhere. Um, now, though, you know, you have those that are sitting on the sidelines waiting for the market to crash, and they're expecting that $1.5 million home to go crash and be 300000 again, which we all know that's never going to happen. Right, that's never going to so, happen. Right? <laughs> but yeah, so then, uh, again, so it's good that uh, you, you have that perspective and, you know, going in on any kind of investment, regardless of what it is, going in with eyes wide open like that, that is actually very smart and a sign that uh, you're heading in the right direction and you're obviously know exactly what, what you're doing with it. So kudos to you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. My next question is going to go along the coaching, right? Like I, I get the whole, uh, you know, real estate investing part. What was the attractive part of the coaching and property management? Um, the, the coaching. So again, you know, I had um, become a coach in somebody else's program, which was just really a way to, I wanted to spend more time around people who were doing this kind of stuff, right? People who were, um, his, uh, particular clientele were people like me, people who were, you know, higher income earners who were looking to have maybe a second home that would over time produce wealth for them, um, and grow wealth for them. Not necessarily people who are going out. Although I will, I will note a few of those folks I have seen go on to do really great things in multifamily. Cause I think all roads lead there. Right. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but for people who are really just looking for that lifestyle thing, um, and I just had so much fun with it. Um, I think, you know, the, the downside of, of doing that and, and it was a, a very good program and, and I liked the work that he did, but I, but I had a very small box. It was like, I had to make sure people were doing module one, lesson one, module two, lesson two, module two. And I think a lot of people didn't necessarily want to do that. They just wanted somebody to answer their questions and, um, and they wanted somebody that they could just, you know, Hey hold my hand to do the steel analysis. And so I wanted to do coaching the way that I thought people wanted to be coached. Um, and, and so that's what I do now. So I, I stepped out of that role. Um, when I, when I left, um, when I left corporate and, and hung my own shingle and, and so that's really, I think people just appreciate, they don't necessarily have access to, especially when they're just starting out people who are doing the same thing. And, and so they're willing to leverage my expertise in a way that's helpful to them. Makes total sense. Now, Another thing that that I have, just like everybody, not everybody, but most people, when they make the step, there's always that fear of what if and whatever and stuff like that. We eventually overcome it. And usually what I find is the moment we overcome it is when we have the polar opposite, which is what I call that aha moment, that aha moment where something happens or you get this feeling and things seem to flow. And then now you're like, okay. I'm not where I want to be yet, or I'm, you know, still have ways to grow because I mean, we're always growing or trying to grow at least, but I know I'm in the right space. I'm in the right place. Things are happening and you get that not relief as in all stress goes away, but relief 
as in the panic goes away or it subsides a little so you can keep moving forward you kind of feel like you you kind of made it or you're going the right direction um sometimes we recognize it sometimes we don't sometimes we have multiple aha moments what was your uh, aha moment and how did, how did that affect you or made you feel i i would say a big one of them was the decision to leave my career i mean that 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 was there there was a moment of assuredness in that i had a lot of clarity um my husband and i we had actually uh, it was the kids spring break. We'd gone on vacation. We spent a week on vacation and, and I, I spent a lot of week back here in the back of my head, just sort of going through this. You know, I, I'd been working as a coach, um, you know, for a while. Um, I had started my own blog, so I was doing that and, uh, and obviously managing, you know, my properties, which were both, which were, um, at that time, I think I had the two that were up and running. And I was like, well, I really don't think I can do more while I'm so split between doing healthcare and doing family and, and, and being mom and doing all those things and doing the short-term rental. But the thing that gives me energy is short-term rental. And I have enough confidence in myself to know that I'm going to do well. And, and I just had a sense of peace toward the end of that vacation as I really thought that through and then began to talk about it with my husband and talk about like, what safety nets do we need to put in place to give myself time to... Um, to, to make that work. Um, I would say fair in the last two months, I had another moment of that. Cause I think, you know, that, that moment comes where you're like, okay, like the safety net, you know, that, that pot of money we've got, we've gone through that, you know, we've gotten some income coming in. It's not quite the level that it was, you know, previously, but you know, here we are. And I just, that sense of, I know I'm doing the right thing, but I think a lot of that just comes from, I'm spending time with other people who are doing similar things right? Like when you have that role model and you see your own success and you get out of your own freaking way. (laughs) Yeah. We tend to put up our own roadblocks. Right. And, and you can just take that and, you know, and I do need to get full credit because my husband, he will just say, I trust you. I know you're going to do great. We're investing in, in our future together. And, you know, that's, that's really powerful because I know not everybody has that luxury of having a a hugely supportive um, partner, especially when you are, you're making lifestyle decisions, you know, to cut back on, you know, your lifestyle that was previously, you know, lots of vacations and lots of things, you know, to, to being a little bit more um, in a budget that, that we didn't, as my husband likes to say, I used to just stare out at the sky while I pumped gas. Now I pay a little more attention. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, eventually, you know, we're going to stop paying attention again, but, but for now, um, I think there's, there's a lot, you know, and there's so much more joy too. Right. Um, I recently, my children are both, I, I think I mentioned their one's middle school, one's elementary, and we actually recently hired them into my property management business. And I, that's been really huge. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to do that. I don't know if you're familiar with in, in the US, if they're under 18 and they make less than 13 ish thousand dollars a year, you pay nothing on that money. It's just money that when they're doing work for you. And by the way, my my 13 year old is a whiz on computers. So he does photo editing and graphic art and like all this stuff for me. And my younger one, I take him to the properties and he helps do like, prop, you know, battery changes and they put furniture together. And, you know, so, so they're legitimately doing work, but it's just this whole idea of, of being, of living a different life, being, having that um, entrepreneurial life, life, you know, mindset and, and thinking things differently. And, and they're awesome now. They, you know, why do I invest in short-term rentals? And my kids will say, cause we're making our money work for us. That is amazing. And yeah, Canada has something similar as well. Um, 
really this it's the same concept it's just uh some of the rules and restrictions and uh you know numbers are different but the concept is really the same so yeah i'm sure i'm sure because i mean why you know it should it should be that way we should be teaching our kids (laughs) yeah exactly and you know what it is a lot better to teach them at that age how to make the money work for you then uh you, you know what i mean then the traditional let's be honest and, and i think you grew up in the same era as i did parents want you know parents grandparents had a certain struggle they wanted to teach their kids to not have that struggle and it gets passed on and eventually the message ended up being go to school to get a good education so you can get a good job so you can get your married have your white picket fence and then retire and you know what i mean and it's all been the same message and in the age and era of factories that message worked and by no stretch am i saying don't go to school that's not my message but my message is nowhere in the system was there financial education nowhere in the system where we taught how to use our money to work for us instead of trading time for money all the time we were never taught that we were taught to save our money but saving your money in a bank account gets eaten up by inflation and it doesn't really grow the way people think and then there's a lot of people now that are in that retirement phase that are looking at it and saying i can't work anymore and i don't know how i'm going to survive because i don't have enough now what and at that point in time it's too late we're teaching them as a young age to be able to invest money, to be able to grow money and how to earn money on their own versus parents just giving it to them. It's that financial education that they're not getting at school. It starts at an early age and they'll learn throughout. And I think they'll be better off long run. Yeah, that's it's It's been such a, you know, you talked about that aha moment. And I just, it's my kids who mirror that back to me all the time you know, in, in how I see them making different decisions. And just like you said, I mean, my parents retired four years ago now, I guess, you know, my dad worked at a factory his whole life. Right. And they've got the big, I call it the apartment on wheels, right. The big fifth wheel and they go camp, you know, all over the place. And, and, and they, you know, so they're, they're fitting in in a life, a lifetime's worth of things they wanted to see and do into this short amount of time. Because before this, their entire lives, and my parents, I don't know about you, but my parents had kids at 20 because that's like how old how old you were at that time and, and had kids, right? Um, but but they're fitting in a whole life into this this, you know, maybe 10 year period. And still, you know, they're not in the bed, you know, it's the back hurts or the shoulders or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that's just not you know, that's not what I want for my kids. That's not what I want for myself. I'm a little bit, I feel like I'm a little bit of a late bloomer to that, but, um, but, but that's just, you know, the era I was raised in, just as you said. Exactly. So awesome. Now for people watching this and saying, you know what, I'm not happy with my life right now. It is doing what it needs to do and it's all right but I want to get into investing because I want to take the plunge. I want to do that, whether it's short term or whatever, but they always have that sense of fear and that fear is actually holding them back. And they're just looking for some advice for somebody who took the plunge. What would your advice be to those people? Just do it. (laughs) I, you know, honestly, I think, you know, that, that is whatever it is, right? Um, our lives are not meant to be small. Um, and, and I think that, that we allow the fear, we, you know, we just, we build up, we tell ourselves these stories and we believe they're true. And, you know, my story for years was I'm supposed to, and, and I'd been trained this way, right? I'm supposed to have this career. I'm supposed to go climb the career ladder. I'm supposed, you know, I, I literally had a number in my head of what I thought my salary 
needed to be when I hit the pinnacle of my career and I hit it. Right. And then I'm like, I'm not happy. I'm not doing the things I want to do. I'm, you know, so I feel like the, the thing is, is you gotta, you know, I teach this to my kids. You've got to walk through the fear. What's the worst thing that can happen? You just, just play it out. I mean, that's literally what, what in order to, for me to make that stuff to turn in that resignation letter, what are the worst case scenarios and how will I deal with it? And once I confronted that question, and I said, okay, that's my deepest fear. My deepest fear is I'm going to quit. I'm not going to get business. We're going to financially, you know, not, not feel like we're making it or we're not going to make it or we're, you know, whatever we're going to get behind it. But whatever that fear was, you know, confronted it, walked through it. And just every day, like I just take steps forward and, and I intentionally connect with the joy that that decision has brought. Lovely. I love that. Now it's funny. Um, with that whole financial thing too, I think everyone feels it. And the reason I'm bringing this part up is that there's irony in this for, for me is because um, why are we worried about the finances? Like, why is it such a big deal? It comes down to what we're taught again. You know what I mean? Like we're taught, you know, it goes back to taught to save money, taught, to, you know, to go, uh, you know, trade time for money for lack of a better description. But the more important part, the institutions, you know, you got to pay your bills, you got to pay your debts, you know, you don't want to go bankrupt. And we get, uh, we get filled with these messages. So then all of a sudden, how many times do we go out there, stress out so much about this stuff and panic and feel like we're choking uh, when, uh, you know, stuff happens in life? Why? Because, oh my God, I don't want to go bankrupt. I don't want to miss that payment. And I'm not saying people should miss the payment, but I think what we overcomplicate things is where I'm going with this. Now, I had gone bankrupt when I was 20 years old. And um, I mean, I was a century ago. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it was a long time ago. Right, yeah. And the point is that I had that experience. So I've seen what it's like to cross that bridge that everyone says, you don't want to do that. Yet you get programmed and so ingrained that even now when I'll have those moments, I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, why? I've seen the other side. It's not that bad, right? Like, I mean, it's not something I want to do, but it's like, it's not that I miss payments and I never miss payments. My credit is superb. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, I've got right, so much right, credit that yeah. I can buy homes with just my credit. You know what I mean, I don't need to apply <laughs> right, for yeah. I'm serious, right? Like, I mean, my credit awesome, limits yeah. are so high that I can actually buy a home just by taking from the credit I already have. But not that I would do that, but that's not the point. The point is I've seen both sides. I'm on time, but that reservation from that programming creates that fear that we all have. And and even though I went bankrupt and I saw that it wasn't that bad and I started over and I made a pretty damn good life of for myself from that point. Yet that still that messaging still holds me back. It's amazing how that well, happened. But I think again, you know, it, it, it's that programming. If when you begin to spend the time around people who are in more entrepreneurial mindsets, then it becomes a more accepted part of the conversation because sometimes as a business owner, bankruptcy is your best strategic direction and companies go bankrupt all the time, right? Some arm of the company. And so, you know, we normally, if you're around people who think differently about money and they're more entrepreneurial, bankruptcy is just a strategy. It's not an outcome of, of, of not paying your bills. It's a way to divest while minimizing your loss. And literally back. So, you know, my personal story around this is long before I, I, I actually intentionally got into real estate investing. I, my husband and I got engaged. We both had bought houses in 2006, 2007, the market crashed. We were both underwater and I was going to move into his house. Um, and 
I started renting mine out because I was underwater and couldn't sell it. I evicted tenants twice um, for non-payment. And I was definitely at that moment, not a landlord by choice. I was just doing it because I had to, I didn't know much about it. And then um, it just felt like this liability. And we went and talked to um, our tax person and our lawyer, both of whom said, just let it go. And I literally wrote the bank and said, I'm just giving you this house. And they wouldn't take it. So, but I think, but that's where I learned, like, that this is what the tax person and the lawyer both said, like, this is what businesses do. Like, don't feel bad about this. Just if they won't take it, just let it go, let it go. And so we just prepped ourselves from a credit perspective to ride that out. And I let it foreclose. In hindsight, I should have hung on to it because then it, you know, would be worth a lot more now, 20 years later. But <laughs> yeah, when you're choking, sometimes it's hard to uh, see that path. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, exactly. And it goes back to, you said mindset, and this is, this is where I was going with it, right? Sometimes getting your mindset in check is the most important thing you can do because that'll clear the way. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, that's probably been my biggest learning is to just shift, to realize I've been trained and that it's okay to let that go and to adopt new ways of thinking about things. And and so my whole life's journey over the last five years has been really about that walking, walking a different journey because I'm thinking a different way. Wonderful. Yeah. And that's great, right? Like, so I think that message we had was just really powerful. Now, yeah, going forward, where do you see yourself going? Like, what is your strategy and objective from here on? You know, so I really, um, I am doing a lot of work with the short-term rental association in my state. So I am, um, it is, it is an industry that I feel very connected to and very passionate about in terms of I'm giving my time um, to, to that. Um, I am starting to think about a resort, um, and consolidating a little bit. Um, and then it's so funny cause you, you started talking about multifamily and then eventually I'm going to get to the point of, of having the funds to be a passive investor in multifamily. Um, because that whole story about short-term rental investing being passive is <laughs> not true. So, so my goal would be in the next five to eight years, get to the point where my portfolio is big enough that I can start stepping back. Um, and that, you know, one of my properties will become truly a, a vacation home for me that will have paid for itself. Um, and yeah, we've got kids that we're going to be put into college starting in about five years. So <laughs> I, I think that's the scariest part, not the uh, life, uh, you know, the entrepreneurship side, you know, school comes in and all of a sudden there's an earthquake. So, oh my God, there's our finances. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we're thinking about it now. I think, I think the oldest one, he's like a child prodigy around computers. So somebody is, somebody is going to swipe him up as a programmer. And um, I think my youngest one, he may be my real estate uh, prodigy. He, he's, he's going to, he's going to go his own way. Awesome. I mean, that's great, right? Like, like, like that's good. I mean, I think that's, yeah. you know I mean? Like encouraging all this stuff is fantastic. I think that's the right messaging too. So awesome. In light of time, I'm going to go down to two more questions, then go into what I call the lightning round, which is just a few fun questions. But uh, let's get the second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? I think success is that I checked at least two things off of the to-do list. Awesome. Uh, and last but not least is for anyone who saw this and wants to reach out and know more information, where would they find you? Yeah, so my business is the CEO host. So I'm uh, at pretty much all of the usual social media places um, as the CEO host. So the CEO host.com at the CEO host, all of those. Fantastic. All right, let's get into the lightning round with question number one. 
what is your favorite food and why? Um, I'm a big pizza fan. I just never outgrew that one. <laughs> oh, I, I don't blame you. Pizza is a good thing. And it's very simple and easy to uh, easy to get. And it's uh, not so complicated. Well, as, as the mom who does the cooking in the house, easy is something I appreciate. I can imagine. <laughs> awesome. Question number two, favorite vacation spot and why? Um, so huge fan of the Caribbean, honestly. And I like my, our probably big next life goal is to charter a catamaran and go island hopping. Interesting. Awesome. Uh, question number three, favorite podcast or favorite book and or favorite book. Oh my gosh. You can't, there's just too many. There is absolutely too many. Um, I like, I am an avid, avid reader. Um, I recently finished, um, oh, I'm going to think of the name of it now. Uh, un, what is the one it's, uh, don't give a F. Oh, oh, oh shoot. I know what you're talking about. I forgot the name, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend of a gun, yep. but I yep. know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I actually only read half of it and then I got distracted, but that's besides the point. (laughs) (laughs) It it essentially goes with this whole thing. Like just get out of your own way. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right. Last question and not least, if you were given unlimited amount of money and you had 48 hours to spend what you spent, you got to keep what you didn't spend would get taken away. What would you do? Um, I'm buying as much real estate as I can. (laughs) Mic drop moment. Yeah, that's exactly right? it. I, I, anything that's going to continue to give me residual income, I'm in. I'm buying as much real estate as I can. There you go. See, that is a great answer. Never a dull moment or never a wrong choice when you choose to invest in real estate. I know. My husband and I, because the lottery just got so big in the US, we were talking about what would we do if we won $1.5 billion. I mean, he's like, why do you want to be so practical? He's like, we're going to go buy like a, what is it, a Zephyr? I'm like, what do you want that for? Buy something that'll continue to pay us. Yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, no. It's, That's you know, awesome. Make your money continue to work for you, whatever, however, however that happens. Yeah, exactly. So the principles never change regardless of the number. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Kate has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for being on my show. This has been really fun, John. I appreciated the time and getting to know you a little bit. Absolutely. Let's keep in touch for sure. Okay. Awesome. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni show.